Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, good Tuesday evening to all that are listening in. Hidden Treasures Revealed is on the air once again. My name is Sean. I'm here with you, and I have with me tonight a member of our church gathering, Victoria. She goes by Tori, and she'll be with me tonight on the podcast, and we'll be speaking about the truth of God. Tori, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good. I had a, a functional day. I had some challenges today, which I'm sure that you did as well, and just opportunity to apply the truth of God and see things that you weren't seeing and just opportunity to practice and grow. And um, so it was good. And I was actually had a couple of things on my mind. And really, this came to mind this evening. And yeah, solidified that this is where they wanted us to go. And um, but actually I had something come to mind to speak before we actually get into the where y'all wants us to begin the the direction. And it's this. I had this thought driving over here that and you can answer if you've had this before. You ever had a situation where you have some things going on in your mind and you're rolling in your mind what you know, and then you end up thinking into yourself, you end up focusing on what you don't know more than what you actually do know. And I'll give an example. So I was thinking about the podcast and what we're going to talk about. And I had just some thoughts about things that were coming to mind and the thought came to mind on, do we meditate and think about more of what we don't know or what I'm not sure if I know or more on what we actually do know, meaning what we're convinced of. And this is good for us on the podcast because you, and you may or may not be thinking this, had you maybe found yourself where I don't know what to say or how I'm going to say it more than, you know, I know things about the faith journey, and I'm just going to speak what I know. And, and you can speak to this, but I just found myself that at times I'm thinking too much about what could come out, what may come out, then just, just be confident and just talk about what you know. And I don't know if you've ever had that, if this makes sense, if you've ever had that circumstance. Yeah, for sure. And I really see it. Um, I'm a teacher. And so getting to the point where I'm teaching things that I know and the kids getting the kids to like know what I'm teaching instead of trying to convince them that I know what I'm teaching. I'm confident that I know what I'm teaching and that puts me in a position to teach. Because what I find myself is, is that I'll go at times to the what if scenarios on, well, what if this, and I'll go to your teaching. Well, what if this concept, they don't get it? Well, where do I go from there? And then if they do get it or they don't get it, where do we go from instead of just calming ourselves down, 
and really just relaxing. And I'm going to speak what I'm convinced of. And there are things that we know, but especially in faith that I'm going to speak what I've experienced, what I'm convinced of, instead of attempting to go on this long explanation and try to convince somebody of something. And then you end up giving opinion on, I think, I believe, and then people get confused. And I just see this, Tori, as just a help for us tonight. And those that'll be with me on the podcast in the future is that relax and let's talk about what we understand of God. Now, I'm not going to take away Yah giving you something, me something, and we start speaking it and we're getting understanding of it as we're speaking. I'm not taking that away because Yah will do that and they've done it before. But the majority of the time, I'll speak for me that you really have to practice not leaning on your own understanding and rely on Yah's understanding because when the goal of us doing this podcast is we speak the truth but we don't want to speak that which we don't understand because if we don't understand it, how can we just like teaching? If you don't understand it, the kids will see that you don't understand it because you'll get flustered and you'll get frustrated and you'll get, but if you do understand it and they can see it, then they'll be relaxed and then they won't get hyper or whatever. And we could put this to teaching or whatever situation. So as you're speaking this evening, just, speak what you know if you don't know something and there'll be times where I don't know something we'll just we'll just rely on Yah and we'll speak speak what we know about it so just as a way to as a focus that <clears throat> you don't have to know everything and you don't have to understand everything it's just speaking what you do understand and know and then that's the best way for somebody else to understand too so with that <clears throat> this evening and I don't know what it is about the shower, but it seems like when I take a shower, Yah brings the thoughts maybe because I'm getting clean in the shower or something like that. It's just kind of funny to me that that's when I, I end up getting these things. And I had this concept <coughs> that we recently, in our, our church gathering, we've been talking about obligation versus willful, meaning that doing things because you feel like you have to versus you really want to do something. And really the ultimate building of when you want to do something is you desire something that which you do on a regular consistent basis and an increase is going to be tied to desire. I'm not saying that you don't do things and you don't increase, but when you really grow and are steadfast in something more than likely it's going to be based in something that you've built a desire because a desire just doesn't come in a flippant time. You can decide to want something, but you've got to continue building on that want and convincing yourself until you get it built into a desire. It's just like planting, you're planting a seed that you've got to plant that one until it conceives into desire. And I had this thought with that, that if I were to say, Tori, I want you to desire this Hershey's chocolate bar, but you've never tasted it. Are you even capable of desiring that chocolate bar? No, I don't think so. Cause I not like, I wouldn't know what it tasted like. So I wouldn't understand the benefit of eating it. Yeah, certainly. Cause you've never, you could say, well, 
you know, I want to try this chocolate bar, but you couldn't just say, I'm going to desire this and then I'm not going to taste it. No, you've got to actually acquire a taste. Like you've got to taste it first. And then when you taste it, do I want this? I don't want this. This tastes yuck. Or, oh, yeah, yeah, I want more of this. Well, you're not going to have a desire for it. Immediately, you start building the desire, and it depends on how bad you want it. Are you willing to drive in the snowstorm that's two feet of snow to get a chocolate bar because I just have such a huge desire? Or, no, I'm not. Well, it's not a desire, but if you're willing to go through any kind of pain that's necessary and you don't care how it affects other people or anything, well, there's a desire. Now, it could be a worldly desire. It could be a godly desire. So we were talking on that premise of things. And along with that, I had a thought about faith. Well, what if somebody desires faith? They desire, I want to have the faith that is in the Bible. I want to have the faith like Messiah. I want to walk as Messiah did. Well, you've got to start at a beginning of it to get to the ultimate building the desire for God. And we were recently talking about what do we do in faith if we start to we start with the want and then it's to build to desire. Well, how do I go about that process? How do I go about that journey? And this is along with those aspects, this is what came to mind. Can you fix something if it's not broken? And I'll, this is an interesting concept, and this is the aspect of fix that I'm going to be talking about, because fix can have a lot of different meanings. This is going to be an aspect of, I'll just say repair, that you've got a car that's broken, that you've got, let's just say, you're driving down the road and timing belt breaks, which on some cars you have a timing belt or a timing chain, let's just say timing belt. The belt breaks and then the car just, it stops running. It won't run anymore. Well, and you just keep mashing the gas and no, of course not. What do you do once the timing belt breaks? Do you just, you're just driving along and nothing happens or do you go, wait a minute, something isn't right here. Something is broken because this isn't going the way that it's designed to go. It's something's wrong. And that's what went through my mind that, and we're coming from an aspect of faith in God, that if you want to change something in faith, if you don't realize that something is broken, you're not going to be able to fix it. How many people in the world, let's just say that have physical cancer in their body, they don't have any symptoms, they don't have any pain, because a lot of times people can have lung cancer and not have any symptoms, don't even know that they have it. And I would say, well, you need to go to the hospital and get checked out. What do I need to go to the hospital for? I'm not sick. Yeah, you are. You've got lung cancer. You need to go now. You, it, it, It's bad. No, I'm not. I'm not convinced of that. I don't have lung cancer. But you, you bring to them and you go, look, here's a chest x-ray. <coughs> do you see the cancer? Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that I had cancer. Well, I don't want cancer that I'm, 
I'm going to figure out how to get rid of this. Now, what happens from there? Person calls, or they could go to the emergency room, they could go to the doctor, whatever. They realize that they are broken. So you go to the source that is able to fix your problem back to the car, the timing belt. All right. Are you going to go to your school to get the timing belt taken care of? No, I would go to AutoZone. Yeah, you would go to AutoZone to where you could fix the timing belt or you could go to a, a, a dealer or whatever. But yeah, you would go to the one that you know can fix the issue. But you're not going to take your car and just drive it to the dealership and leave it and say, all right, I want you to fix it. And they're going to say, all right, uh, Miss Bishop, what do you want fixed? Well, I don't just fix it. It's broken. Yeah, but what's broken? I don't know everything. Well, but well, we're not going to change your tires because the tires we've checked them. They need a little bit of work, but they're not, you don't need a replacement. You don't need, but Tori, what we do is, is we attempt to fix other people. One, when they don't want to be fixed and two, they're not broken to realize that I don't need a doctor. I'm, I'm fine. Messiah even said this with his teaching that I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. Because those that you think you're well and you don't need me, it wouldn't matter even if I came to you and I said, I'm going to fix you. You would say, I don't need fixing. Okay, well, I didn't come for you. I'm not going to spend my time with you. I'm going to spend my time with those that are broken. That in order for something to be fixed, it has to be broken. Now you can, and people may say, well, no, you could, you could have a car that's running well and you could fix it. You may be able to maintain the car, but you're not going to just take something that's not broken and just break it on purpose. Now you could do that, but if you break it on purpose, you've got to fix it. That I'll go out and I'll puncture your tires on purpose. Well, yep, it's broken. What are you going to do? Well, I'll either leave it in the state that it's in or I'll get it fixed. But what happens is, and this is where we came from in Christianity, that we think that we're supposed to go out and fix everybody where people don't want to be fixed or people don't even recognize firstly that they're broken, that they need a fix. And if you come to somebody and you attempt to tell them they need fixing and they don't think that they're broken, you're going to get resistance. You're going to get backlash. And that's why Messiah said, don't cast your pearls before the swine. Don't throw the precious truth of God on somebody that doesn't want it because they're going to treat it as a common thing. And they're going to they're trample what you've told them and disregard it. Don't waste your time on that. Now, the one that's broken. Yeah, spend your time with them. Talk to them. Because the people that we're talking to, those that are listening now or in the future, we're talking to the people that are broken, that if they're not broken, that they're listening to this to where they will be broken in the future. But if you don't come to a place where you realize that you need help, it doesn't matter what we give you. It will not work. It will not take. Something that you brought out in the gathering ties to this beautifully is the golden rule. When you point the finger at somebody else for something that they're doing, but then you don't first look at yourself first, 
to realize where you've done it, then you're being a hypocrite. Meaning that if you're pointing the finger solely to point out somebody's wrong, but you don't first look at yourself, then you're being a hypocrite because no, yes, you see the speck in your brother's eye or your sister's eye, but you don't recognize within you, you've got a forest of trees that before you point the finger, realize that, oh my gosh, the brokenness, I didn't, you know what, I'm seeing this. I'm not going to tell that person what they're doing wrong because I didn't realize that I'm doing that. So I break in that first so that I can get healing. Then I'm in a position to talk to somebody because, wow, they don't see this. And because they don't recognize it and they don't want to change it, I'm not going to bring this up right now. But it's just so easy to point that finger. But as Yah is teaching us, the golden rule is if you see it in somebody else, one, you're doing it, you have done it, you see it and recognize, wow, I see that, it's a mirror, so I'm going to, I'm going to evaluate myself in this before I even point the finger at anybody else. But this message that Yah has given, that Yah has entrusted with us, this gospel, their gospel message, it's about us planning and it's about us watering but Yah gives the increase. We ourselves cannot heal anybody. We ourselves cannot fix anybody. All we can do is give information, which is the truth of God, which when applied, that person is able to have healing. But we ourselves are not capable of healing a person. We can give what's necessary for healing but each person must take it upon themselves to do what is necessary in order to actually partake of the healing of God through the truth. So if you have any thoughts, I'll turn it over to you on this subject, but this is what came to me for us because this is so important that in the, the worldly training of, well, we got to get people saved or we got to get the truth out to people because it's a lost and dying world. It is a lost and dying world. But if people don't recognize that they need a healing, then, or, and also that they want to be healed, then there's nothing that we can do. So, Tori, I'll turn it over to you. Any thoughts that you have on this subject? Yeah, when you started talking about this, I started to think of like Alcohol Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous and their first step being um, admitting that you have a problem. And um, recently, um, and you know this, Sean, but um, there's a challenge out on social media called the 75 hard. Um, but I am doing my own version of that, uh, which includes a number of different things that I employed a bunch of people to keep me accountable for. And it was, it kind of like dawned on me when we were making the list, we sat down on Sunday and we were making the list that like, this should be something that I can like that should be able to be sustainable even after that 75 days is done because if I if it's not if I don't think this is like a future thing then there's no point in doing the 75 days because then it's just, I'm just gonna go back to my old habits after the 75 days 
And I had to come to that realization myself. And I um, am excited to see how these 75 days go and where it takes me. Um, but even uh, dad had mentioned, um, Philip, my dad, um, had mentioned that I had said that I would read one chapter of the Bible a day. And he was like, well, let me make a suggestion that you say you just read the Bible at some point during the day, not put limits on it, because then it's more likely to become obligated at some point. Whereas if it's just a fluid thing um, that you make time to go in the word every day, whether it's just a verse, whether it's a chapter, whether it's a whole book, but you make time every day to do that that is sustainable even past the 75 days that i'll have my accountability people for and um me seeing that i had a i saw that i had a a i'm I'm not thinking of the word right now but a loss in the section there there are certain sections of my life that i saw in myself that I wanted to improve in and that was my decision it wasn't that somebody else told me it's not for anybody else it's not for the benefit of anybody around me it's for the benefit of myself and a journey that I want to take for me not for other people and giving that desire to myself because if somebody were to come up to to me and say you need to drink more water I'd be less like like I'd be less motivated to drink more water than wow i barely drink 40 ounces of water a day i should probably change that because or i need to i want to change that because that like having water in your body is something good for you like water is good for lots of things in your body hydration in general um and not even having one full bottle is was an issue to me So that was just one example of my 75 Tory is what I'm calling it, is that I have to drink at least 40 ounces of water a day, which is nowhere near what you should be drinking, but it's, it's a step in the right direction. Well, what's really neat about what you're doing there is, is that faith takes the full commitment. And if you're not committed to doing 75 days, then don't even start. Like if you're, if your mindset is not, that I'm going to complete this, then don't, don't even do it. If you think, well, I'll try it for it. No, this is about, I'm going to do this for 75 days. And I'm, you can speak to them. I'm certain that that's your, you didn't go, well, I'll just try it for three days, but no, I'm going to do this for 75 and I'm going to have somebody keep me accountable because is it not that there is something that you want healing in you want healing uh, and you don't necessarily, if you want to talk about Ekim, but just with this aspect that there's a goal in your mind that there's something that needs healing in your life. If not, then you wouldn't be doing this because something is broken, meaning there's some goal with the water and the Bible reading that you have set that because you recognize that I need healing, I'm broken in this. And that's why I'm doing this because I want to be healed, which is great. The only way to be able to achieve this is you've got to set your mind in it, practice it and practice it consistently. And when you do that, then it'll become repetition. It'll become your programming. And 
our goal in faith is to make sure whatever we're programming in is functional and good. Oh, I'll share this with you that somebody has to break so that they can break. And this will, I'll explain because break has several definitions. You have to realize that you have an issue that you want to change and that you ultimately say, I'm going to change it. You have to come to the self-realization because I could say, Tori, you need to drink more water. Wow. You know, that's, you know, I should, but the breaking for you is, you know what? I haven't been drinking enough water because I just realized that I'm, I'm like really thirsty all at one time. And I'm, I'm not, you know what? I want to change this. I'm going to do this because this is what is right to do. This is what I'm going to do without me telling you, you own it and you make it personal to where you're doing it. Ultimately you're growing that because you want to do it. I'm not, you're not doing it because, well, Sean said it and he's an overseer. He's this and he knows. So I should do it because he's saying it. Well, only do it because you have one evaluated it and you talk to you about it and you make a decision to do it because once you break to it and realize that there is a problem that needs to be solved, then you can break, which break also means that you, you stop one thing and you do another. You're, you're at school and you take a break. Do you keep teaching or do you get away from it and do something else? You take a break from it. So in order for you to break away from the old life, you've got to break within and then make a decision in your mind that you're going to turn from it with what you're saying, the 75. If you don't turn from what you used to do, then you're not going to change anything because I wasn't drinking water. I'm going to drink water for 75 days. I'm, I wasn't reading my Bible consistently. I'm going to read it, but you can't turn to do that. If you don't realize, well, let me say you can do that, but it won't, it'll be obligation until you make a decision that I really want to do it. And I'm going to desire this so that desire can be conceived. You've got to turn, you've got to repent. And through the gospel message, through this journey, can you repent if you don't break to Abba first? That was no. a no. Yeah, <laughs> okay. no, sorry. No, because you have to completely turn away from the old way of life, like like a 180 degree turn about face away from that life so you have to break away from the programming um that i have um i'll speak for myself you have to break away from that programming and that cognitive dissonance and i was thinking about cognitive dissonance when you were talking earlier and how admitting you have a problem and all that kind of stuff sometimes like you convince yourself that you're fine you convince yourself and then it gets to a point where you like, you're like, I'm just going to throw that away. I'm going to push it down. I'm going to push it down. I'm going to push it down. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, and I'm, it causes like extra stress on you, but that cognitive dissonance 
prevents you from breaking, like prevents that breaking away. And it, it doesn't allow for you to like see clearly. And I was also thinking how you were talking about, like, if you were to tell me to do something, I had spoken about this before and we were talking about the fear of God and everybody was telling me their experience with the fear of God. And, um, Anna Ruth, another member of our gathering had chatted about how she had all these videos that she had watched and she watched these specific videos. And after these videos, she just had this huge somber feeling and that, that was like the point of like the change for her. And I was like, okay, I'll go watch the videos and that'll be good. And that'll be it for me. And that did obviously did not work because that was, that was Anna Ruth's journey and not my journey. That wasn't my decision to like, I mean, I decided to watch the videos, but it wasn't my decision to go pick out those videos and watch them. Um, I just thought, well, if that's what it did for her, it'll do it for me. And that's how I'll make the steps. And like, that definitely was not the step. <laughs> well, that's a great point because, and I hadn't thought about that until you just said it, that, and it, I don't see it as a conscious, it was in your lower conscience that, well, I, I want that. I want the brokenness that Anna Ruth has. I want to break like that so I can get on with it. And then, all right, well, all right, I'm going to break. So I'm, I'm just waiting to break. And I hadn't thought about that because that, I had that. I told the story. I don't know if I told on the podcast, but when I had the struggle with, we had watched the movie, The Passion of the Christ, and there was a scene where uh, the scourging of Yeshua, and I didn't even know what the scene was. I was just building it up in my mind what it was. And it was like, it was multiple years that I just, I let that bother me. And I remember one day I was just at home and I was like, no, enough is enough. I'm going to embrace this. I'm not going to run from it and breaking in it. And then from there realizing that part of it was the enemy speaking to me. And then the other part was you need to face this. You need to face that this life of faith is going to not be easy. It's going to be struggle. And, and those thoughts come up kind of random here and there, but nothing like before where it had a grip on me. And it made me think of that when you, I can't, explain to you what it is to break in something like you have to, that has to be a personal thing where you know that you've broken that like the song says, when you come to where you're broken within the, and it's a song called, um, uh, healing begins is what it was. Thank you. And I remember that very specifically that when you come to where you're broken, not from the outside to where you need to break, but, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that I, I didn't realize this, that isn't that when the light shines on you and Yah says, do you see? I didn't see, but now I, I can't believe I didn't. Why didn't I see that before? Well, because you didn't break for that light of God to come in to show you to where you can break within because there's a scripture or there's many scriptures. But in regards to this, that in order to get the healing of God, you have to do your part. And when I say you have to, it's you want to ultimately, but in order for the healing to come, the healing is always internal. Yah's words, if my people 
who were called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Do you remember what Yah says after that? Is it that you will have everlasting life? If you continue in it, you will. Yes. Um, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And I thought about that this, this evening and I thought, well, so does that mean that that y'all would just step in and just put their hand upon you and then you're healed? Well, but the, if that's the case, then why do you do the other part? But the, the key in it is you doing those other steps shows your faith because if you remember this, the story of the woman that had the bleeding condition, if I could just grab just the hem of his garment, then I'll be healed. And when she touched Messiah, he said, the word says that he felt power come about out of him and who touched me. And they're like, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody is just all around you. And she came to him in that broken state. And he says, your faith has made you well. So for God to heal you, you have faith first. You draw near to God, then God will draw near to you. Then, because of your faith, because you humble yourself and you pray and you seek their face and you turn from, you repent, you break, you turn from your wicked ways, then that will unlock the door for me because a lot of people, well, God's not doing anything. God's not, no, Yah's just waiting for you to do the what's necessary so that I can heal your land because if you don't break, I have nothing to heal. Because think about it. If you humble yourself, you turn from pride. If you pray, you turn to God and have conversation. You seek their face, you turn from yourself and the world. You turn from your wicked ways, you turn away from, you turn to God. And then therefore, because you've broken, you have what's called a contrite heart, which means you have a broken heart. Well, God will mend, will heal the brokenhearted. So this is a, a huge thing that if you have people that you care about, that you really want them to come to faith in God and you really, this is the best for them, make sure one, if you're saying anything to them, that it's from God and, and you verified that this is what you're supposed to say, because other than that, people have to break within, people have to figure this faith journey out themselves. You can have the best intentions. You can tell people what they should do by the word of God, that you should repent and you should Seek after God with all your heart and, and all that's great. But if the person doesn't make it their own, they don't own it. You're wasting your time. And people say, well, and I have heard even in my own family say, well, why don't you go on door to door? Why aren't you speaking to people? But what you don't understand is that's something from you read in the Bible that, well, Messiah sent the disciples out. So you should, we should be going door to door. But the majority of people that you go door to door with, one, either they don't want to hear it, they'll reject it, and they'll just dig in, and you're just going to get a fight for yourself, and it's just a waste of time. That's why when Messiah sent the disciples out, that it was careful that if you, you let your peace rest on this place, and if the person is worthy, then let it rest. If not, you take your peace back and you, you leave because you're wasting your time. If somebody says, I don't want it, then one, I can't force you. Two, God will not force you. And three, you're not, you don't have a heart that's broken anyway. So I'll just, like you said, shake the dust off your feet, go to the next house and don't, you don't need to feel bad about it just for right now. 
this person doesn't have a heart that's broken. So I'm not, I'm not going to say anything because it's, it's a waste of time. It, it's, and people will say, well, is that really right and fair to do? Yeah, it is because that's the way of God that if he didn't Messiah didn't go to people and force them and say, I'm the son of God and you need to repent. No, people followed him and they asked him questions. They inquired of him what it was to get eternal life. Like you mentioned that, what do I do to get eternal life? And I tell you, and you go away and you don't do what I told you. So obviously you didn't have a desire for eternal life. You had a want to, I want to know what it is to be saved, but you don't have a desire to be saved or a conception starting that desire process. Because if you did, you would go and sell everything and give it to the poor. But your desire was your riches. And that's why you stayed with your desire. And that's the thing is that desire is something that is built and you don't just build a desire in a day. It, it takes time and it takes practice. Like for you to build a desire on these choices that you're making, it's not going to be in two days because you're acquiring a taste right now for doing this. No. And, and I'm sure that you've had no struggles in this at all. You're like, man, I just, it's so easy. And reading is, is just, man, it was just simple. And walking was just so simple. You're like, it's <sighs> only day two. And yes. <laughs> and it, it's because the desires that are in place are <coughs> no, Tori, you desire, you desire this. No, I don't No, Yeah, you do. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. And it's your, your body is like, no, go back to, no, you don't need to drink the water. You can drink the tea or, you know, that, that's what I want. No, I don't want it. Like there's some pain that you're going to have to push through in order to do that. But then you, even when you get there, there's going to be something else that's going to have pain in it uh, for us to, to go through. But the, the big message for us in this is that with the truth that we have, we want y'all to bring people that are broken, that want to know the truth, that have a broken heart, that have broken to where they realize that where they are in their life. Like you said, you realize that something's missing. Something is not lining up. I'm not satisfied with where I am. I want to make a change. I don't know how to make the change. I just know that something is wrong with my faith. I don't know what it is. Well, those people we can help because you're open. You're, you're, you're willing to have the light come in, but if you're steadfast and, don't talk to me and I'm not changing me in the past. I would say, all right, well, yeah, you'll just wait and see what happens. And it's like, no, don't, you don't need to do that. Just leave people alone because God will judge those in the world. And those that want to know and have true faith in God, those will seek with all their heart and y'all will lead us to those people that are doing that. And ultimately my my want desire is for people to come that really want to come and want to hear the truth and not just come just to be a number and all right, well, we got you here. So here's another number. No, it's, we want you here because you really, you know, you really want to be here. I have a question. So I was thinking about the whole broken aspect and I've been to a number of FCA camps. Um, and like, uh, I went to a, um, something called passion, which is a really big Christian, um, conference, which was, uh, really enlightening for me. I, I, I went for the purpose of getting what I could get out of it truthfully. 
And so what uh, I witnessed a number, I mean, tons, I mean, there were tons of people there. And at all of those events, I witnessed those people being, quote, broken, but we know that they weren't actually broken. Um, But what would you, what would you say that that was um, if it's not brokenness? Because a lot of them go out of that space and I've seen it um, in other people, and I, I'm, no, I'm sure I was not innocent of it myself when I was in that position. But um, coming out of that, and then just remixing on everything that they just like, they just went, and then they go back, and they get that brokenness. And I say brokenness is in like quotes because what is what is the what is the motion, or what are they having when they have that? Um, feeling. No, that's a great point. Cause I've actually had that myself. Cause I remember because my background in Christianity that you would go to, and I don't even know if you went to this, it was maybe, um, Eagle Irie. Did you ever go to another? No, that's a, if I remember, I think it might be Lynchburg, but yeah, we would go and actually we went there and then we went to ocean city, Maryland. And we did this actual play that it was called, um, doors and it was like i actually paid god the father interesting <laughs> back at that time and then somebody else played jesus and it was a kind of like a it was just all music but you would do like not pantomime but you would just act out symbols like you would be on the cross or you would it was kind of going through the christianity and i remember like having times where you would feel that brokenness and that kind of like i know something is wrong and i just feel the emotion of this People can have a break in that, but what do you, what I evaluate in this is what are you breaking for? Are you breaking because it's truly godly sorrow or is it just worldly sorrow for, I just feel bad and I should do these things. I know I'm wrong. And you feel the weight of sin. Like you feel that guilt. But what happens is, is that if it's not brought with the truth, then you're just stuck there. Cause think about what you would have been given. I just... I know I'm a sinner. I just feel this weight and I'm just emotional and I know I'm wrong. And well, yeah, you just accept Jesus and you're good. And, Oh, that's all I have to do. Oh man, what, what great joy. And, and you just, man, man, I'm okay now. And you start to, man, I just feel great. Where did you really break for God or did you just have an emotional break to where, you know, something is wrong and then you just, all right, um, let me get my quick fix. Like, was there any message for you of you need to turn to God and repent? Or was it, oh, were you just, you, you accept Jesus and everything is great? Like, do you remember like what they actually told you? Yeah, I mean, it's been a couple years now, but um, one thing that it's coming to me, I don't know why this is coming to me in particular, which I thought was odd um, because this is not something that, uh, Christian mainstream churches normally do. Um, They had us all stand up and there were about 60,000 of us. And they said, okay, now on anybody who's on the end, stay standing and everybody else sit down. And then they asked us to look around and they were like making the analogy that like a lot of people were going to leave here and not make an effort to do what they 
were talking about, which I thought that was like that floored me because I was like, whoa, <laughs> I didn't think that they would like talk about something like that. And um, I'm not I mean, I didn't I'm not sure how other people took that. I didn't talk. I only went with one other girl. So um, I didn't really talk to them about how that went and what that meant to other people. Um, but again, their story was just very very missionary missionary I guess like do this like works-based stuff to get um I guess to get to where you should be and as we do have to do our actions we are our faith is not based off actions did I say that right like Actually, like, we have to, it, it was like the faith without works is dead, but, um, what's the other one? It's, um, faith is action, but the works that we do, it's not by works that we are saved. It's by faith, but faith is displayed by works. Right. If that's what, what you were. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was. And I just, I'm curious, curious, um, I guess the desire in your heart would be what could really tell you if it was worldly sorrow or godly sorrow, worldly sorrow being that you're just like, wow, I shouldn't do that. And godly sorrow being like, my actions have impacted God and deciphering between that, I guess, lies in the desire that you have um during that brokenness state and i there's a song that's coming to mind that i actually listened to at that conference and one part always sticks out to me and it says i won't be formed by feelings i'll hold fast to what is true um and i say that in my head a lot if i start to get emotional because decisions based on emotion aren't like solid um like if I make a decision in my classroom because I'm angry, it's probably going to backfire on me at some point because it's not solid. It was based off of an emotion versus being um, steadfast in truth. Like, these are the expectations I set. You didn't follow the expectation. This is the consequence without any sort of frustration or anger. Um, and I think we get caught up in emotion, um, especially... Um, I hate to generalize, but um, me as a woman, I find myself to be more emotional than my husband is, and so I can get caught up in the emotion um, more so of like uh, like sadness and that kind of thing, uh, whereas he might get caught up in like the anger emotion, but um, I'm not exactly sure where I was going with that, but oh, yeah, but um, the emotion shouldn't drive a decision and if you're basing your decision off of emotion then it's not true brokenness well you were actually going with the thoughts that i was having is that here's what happens is we don't want to remove emotion from decisions meaning that we don't want to make a decision and say there's no emotion in it nope well of course there's going to be but what happens is, and because and we've experienced this, is the music gets soft, 
and the lights go down and every head bowed and everybody's quiet and you get the, the little organ playing or the little piano that, which I enjoy anyway, but it'll, it'll get, get you to stir your emotions and, you know, Oh God, I know I'm a sinner and, and we failed you and we come with broken hearts, Lord. And it starts stirring up your emotions, which come from your lower conscience. Well, what happens is, is I'm not going to say that, that you weren't broken or I wasn't broken, but why do you break? Do you break because you're not only feeling it, but in your mind that you've the wrong God, you're making it a personal matter. You're not doing this. You're not going, everybody sinned and fallen short. You're saying like David, I have sinned against you, God, and you only like I've sinned against heaven, that it's a confession of sin, which if there's no message of you take that and you give somebody the truth, don't necessarily give it to them when they're in an emotional state. You feel the emotion. Okay. Well, a decision needs to be made, but let's, let me give you truth. Let me give you information so that you can make a logical decision without emotion because, and you mentioned this, if you make a decision out of emotion, you likely will regret it or you won't stick with it. Like if you're like, all right, well, if I don't drink water for so many days and I don't do this, then, then I'm going to be in the hospital and I'm going to get sick. So I, I mean, I'm going to, and I'm being dramatic here, but you know, I'm going to die or something's going to happen. And it's like, wait a minute, stop. Because what happens is if you're doing it in an emotional state of mind, then you will only do it when you're in an emotional state of mind, you won't do it when you, you leave the conference and you're like, well, something has changed. Like I was on this high, but then now I'm back to, yeah, because now you're back into your normal programming of thinking. And I had a scripture come to mind with this. So it's not the fact that people aren't broken. It's what do you do with the brokenness? Do you give them truth so that they can evaluate it? And then do you want to make this decision or do you not want to follow this as opposed to just say this quickly? and you're saved. All right, it's all done because it'll wear off because you didn't truly break for God. Because if you did, then you would be making changes and you would be seeing things change in your life. You wouldn't have to go to a conference like that every month and then come back and then go again to get that high because you want that emotional release. But if you want the truth of God, then we'll tell you what it is because Peter had this in the book of Acts that Peter was preaching and it said that there were people around that said that they were cut to the heart and they said that they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter, what must we do that they were broken? They were cut to the heart. And Peter didn't say, all right, let me say this prayer really quick. All right. Do you accept Yeshua as Lord and savior? No, he said, repent and be baptized in the name of Yeshua for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy spirit, which ultimately the gift of the Holy spirit is circumcision of the heart. That's the, it's referred to, they'll say, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which means you're immersing yourself in the life of trust, which you're going to have struggles and suffering, but the the gift of the Holy Spirit is the circumcision of the heart. So it leads people to a point of, okay, you got people where you want them, they're, they're broken, that they're, they're breaking, but what has to happen for them to be healed is the truth you don't give them the truth, then you just, you come out of that emotional state and you, well, what do I do with this now? 
well, you accepted Jesus, you're okay. And that's just the, the background we came from. But if you don't give them the truth, then how are they going to have the opportunity to be healed from within? They're not going to have the opportunity because that's the greater responsibility that we have as the Church of Messiah is we can bring spiritual healing to people. Messiah, when he died and rose again, when he ascended into heaven, that's when mother was sent. And then now with mother, we have the opportunity for people to be spiritually healed. Not saying that people would never get out of a wheelchair and walk or anything like that, but we got to be careful with those miracles because those miracles were to show that Messiah Yeshua was the son of God to show that this is God, because if it wasn't God, then he wouldn't be able to do these healings. But if somebody is physically healed, let's say of cancer or being paralyzed, well, if they're not healed spiritually, what does it matter if they're healed physically? You're going to die in sin anyway. So that's one thing that I'm seeing as counterfeit miracles is that when the Antichrist comes, that people will be getting physical healings. But is the message, repent, obey, and trust circumcision of the heart? Or is it he's walking around, just people are getting up out of wheelchairs, and you're staying the same, and you're physically healed, and it's God because, yeah, but... If it was Yah, then why are they not being told the truth of getting the fullness of faith, circumcision of the heart, getting away from sin? So it's something to watch there. But to answer your question, it leads people to a point where you are broken and people do break, but there's no true healing because it's in an emotional state and you stay in that emotional state and you have this great experience. But then if it's not the truth of God isn't given, then when you get it, cause you don't walk around in an emotional state, like of weeping and crying all the time, you're going to be vulnerable. But what happens after that? Let's talk about this. Let's make ultimately a pledge with a good conscience, which is not out of emotion, but there is emotion cause you're going to feel when you're broken and feel when you turn to God. So it really is the, it's not that people don't break. It's the fact that what are we doing? what information are we given when somebody does break? Are we saying, okay, well, you see that you realize that you weren't seeking God with all your heart. We don't jump them to being in Messiah. We say, well, you recognize that, then you see God with all your heart and you continue on that. You will find God. You'll find the fullness of faith and, and all that. But this is a huge thing because it just saves so much. Well, in lack of a better term, aggravation, frustration with other people that we don't need to be wasting our time going to people that don't want to hear what we're talking about. And we have people tune in. We have a few listening in right now, but if somebody doesn't want to listen to this podcast, if they think that what we're saying isn't true or it's stupid or they don't agree with it, then you're free to listen to something else. You don't have to listen to this, but the, this is for people that really want to know the truth that are seeking God with all their heart, that they want to change their life. They realize they're broken. They want to make changes that if you don't want to listen to it, you don't have to listen to this. You don't have to listen to it anyway, that the, the ultimate goal is that you want to listen to it because all we can do is we can give information, but we can't fix anybody. We can't break anybody. If somebody were to ask me, what did it feel like to be broken? I could, I could attempt to explain it, but until you experience being broken and you can be broken outside of faith, 
and God, you can realize you've done something and you break. And you know what it's like. You, you know what it is if you're on the floor or by yourself or you're praying to God or something like that. You know what it's like. But that's the thing. It's got to be something that you own. It's got to be something that you partake in. We can't, I can't have your faith. You can't have mine. That there's a song out there that says, if you're weary, you can borrow mine. Like my faith, you can borrow mine. No, you can't borrow somebody's faith. And we actually have a a parable of that in the word where the, the, the virgins, where they had their oil. Well, let me have some of your oil. No, you can't have my faith. If if you don't have circumcision in the heart, then you don't have that oil. So you need to figure out how to get your own oil. I'm not, I can't give you any oil. I mean, there's just different things like this, but yeah, this is, you can save yourself a lot of aggravation and frustration because you think that somebody won't change for the better. In order for somebody to change, and you said it very well, Alcoholics Anonymous, do you have a problem? Yes. Okay. Well, you admit you have a problem, then we can help you to fix it. If you say, I don't have a problem, I'm not going to waste your time to try to do anything. If you're a doctor, psychiatrist, psychologist, if you have people coming to you and they don't think that they are sick, you're really wasting your time because even Messiah, hey, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sick. Now I'm going to talk to people that think that they're righteous, but I'm not going to spend my time with them because I didn't come for them. I came to, so we can have the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the lame to walk. And that's talking about spiritual aspects that the person that's broken is the one that can be healed. And I I was just really thinking about this coming over here that your body heals itself. You can do things that will, you could look at it as assisting your body, but I, I clip my fingernails and it seems like they're growing at a record rate here for some reason, but I don't see them grow, but I look at them now and it's like, I'm not making these fingernails grow there. I'll trim them. And then, all right, well, we need to fix that. And it needs to grow back to the way it was before. So with any of this stuff, I'm just coming to the realization, even as I'm speaking that, the only one that you can fix is you. You can't fix somebody else. But I know that I've spent so much time in the past getting frustrated at other people, why they're not changing, why they're not doing. And there's just no reason to live in that. Doesn't mean that we don't say things to people. But the true fix for anybody is going to come to, they've got to come to faith in God so that internally, that they can be healed ultimately from the inside out because the healing is going to be from the inside out. And if you think about that, that do you have, if you ever cut yourself or something that it's the inside that heals because you cut yourself and you put a bandaid on and then it'll clot. Well, the clotting comes from within. It doesn't come from the outside. So I just, just an interesting aspect that it's, it's an internal healing comes from within. And just like the sub, like the healing comes in, in like the subconscious and like bringing up those things that you don't know that are down there and you're choosing to look into those like not so pretty things that you um, don't like to see yourself in. And then like um, it's kind of like 
whaps you in the face a little bit. But that has to come from inside, like you were just saying that. Um, uh, yeah. Internal healing for the external effect. And do you remember Messiah had a teaching when the Pharisees got on the disciples for eating with unclean hands? Do you remember what what he told them, or do you remember that aspect? He, they were getting on the disciples because it said that your disciples were eating with unclean hands. And Messiah spoke to them and said, it's not the outside that makes somebody unclean. It's the inside. It's the, the murders are committed from the heart, the murders, the thievery, the uh, jealousy, all of that comes within and it's what's within that makes a man or a woman unclean. And he said, first clean the inside of the dish, then the outside will be clean as well. And I'm just looking at your, your very huge water mug here. That's I'm sure full of ice and water <clears throat> that you, when you drink it, you put your lips on it and you bring it up to your mouth. Well, the inside of that is what you want to be clean. Like, do you want to have, you want me to take that outside into a mud puddle and just scoop it up and just. Ew, no. Because it's what's inside that, and ultimately what Messiah is saying is, is that, <laughs> that your sin is where in the heart is what derives all the murder and the, the uncleanness. So with the help of God, clean the inside, clean the heart. Then, and we talked about this in the gathering because, and you mentioned it, what's in the lower conscience is what comes out of the mouth. So if you have good righteous on the inside, what's going to come out will be clean also because you're, the overflow of the heart is what comes out of the mouth. So clean the heart, and therefore we won't have those Freudian slips or, pardon my French, people say, well, the reason that came out is because it's in your lower conscience. If you want to stop saying, pardon my French, then stop having that in your heart. And really with the help of God, that's what Yeshua was saying was, is that you think that uncleanness comes from your hands getting dirty, but you could have somebody that could be clean in heart and could be covered in mud and filth and they're clean as can be before God. But somebody would look at them and say, you're dirty and you're, because ultimately what it was is that the Pharisees and Sadducees, they thought that they were righteous because God gave them the law and they had the oracles of God and the promises and they were righteous. And these other people, these sinners that they're, they're unclean and your disciples are unclean. And it's like, no, you don't understand that the uncleanness comes from within. It's not from the outside. And that's when they said in another scripture of that, they had said, were we blind? No, it's like, well, if you, if, so the, the fact that you say that you can see that your sin remains, but if you said you couldn't see, then you'd be without sin, meaning that because if you had that broken heart, oh, now I see that I'm a sinner. I'm not going to sin anymore. Well, now you see, because you didn't see, but now you see, then you can be made clean. But if you sit there and say, I'm not a sinner, then you're blind because you don't see. So in the Word, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of instances of this, but what is it if you're walking around in dirty clothes and you're, you're teaching school and what, who cares if a kid has dirty hands and they come in and they have, and I'm sure kids at times they'll have head lice or they'll have things from home and people will say, well, this kid is that, or that kid is 
they're nothing or whatever. And it's like, be careful because you who think that you're clean, you look at somebody else like the golden rule and don't make a judgment, a final judgment on somebody just because of their looks. Cause Yah sees past that. So people that in their own mind would think that they're just absolutely clean and, and righteous. God will say, get away from me. But then the one that's beat up on the side of the road where the good Samaritan comes by that's broken, that the good Samaritan will lift you up and carry you to the end and take care of you and do all these other things. But a lot of times we'll assume that somebody knows that they're broken or know what they need. And there's a lot of people that they don't know what they're doing. You ask them, why are you doing something? I don't know. So in order to, our goal here is to, and Yah even told us this, is that we put the information on the table, just like if you're at a library and you go to the reference area and you see an atlas or you see an almanac that it's all out on the table. You determine what you pick up and take in. You determine what you're going to do with it because you don't go to the library and you walk by and the Atlas jumps up and just hits you in the face and just starts shoving itself in your face. No, that you've got to pick it up and read it because ultimately it's the application of this anyway, that's going to bring any healing like the, and you mentioned you're, you're reading the word, which is great. But if you look at it and you don't have the mindset to apply what you're reading, then you might as well just read a magazine or a book for leisure because without application, the Bible is not going to do you any good. It's just, it'd be obligation. Oh, look, God, I read, you see, I read a chapter, but if your mindset is, and I can see why uh, your dad, Phil, why he would say, don't put a specific amount because I've had this, I'll read one sentence and just, cause I would, what I would do is I would lay in bed cause I'm like, all right, I'm going to get all relaxed and just have the Bible, have the, the nightlight on. And, and I'm, I'm just going to read and I'll read one verse and it was my eyes start to get droopy or I'll make it, I'll be thinking about it. And then all of a sudden doze off. And then, Oh no, I said, I was going to read a chapter. Well, well, I didn't read a chapter. Cause what I would do Tori is I would, I would read and I would think that I wouldn't get anything done unless I read a chapter or two. Well, if I didn't read a chapter, then I'm not really doing anything. And I did it from an obligatory mindset and it actually hindered me as opposed to, no, even if you meditate, like you said, you read Daniel, just you can read one sentence in Daniel and be like, wow, this is interesting. I wonder how this ties to what we've been talking about. And then, as opposed to, oh, you didn't accomplish anything because you've got to get through Daniel in a month and you've got to get through uh, these other things. Because I remember, I don't know if you've seen this, you ever seen like that read the Bible through in a year yeah, kind of thing? You could do that. But if you're just reading it, it's like, yes, read it, but study it. Because you, you could read the whole Bible and not get a thing out of it and just say, okay, well, I read it. Yeah, but do you understand it? No. Well, what point is reading it if you don't understand it? It's just, I would even say if you're not in the mindset of wanting to understand it, then don't read it just because it's not going to benefit you. Oh man, Leviticus, it's just all these sacrifices and I don't get it. 
Well, yeah, because what you need is, yeah, help me to understand Leviticus. Because I remember reading Leviticus and it's like this, we're not doing this today. How does this, this is like all the sacrifices, why all the detail? And well, because God is holy and, and, and righteous and they're perfect. So they want it an exact way. And it just as a help for you that it can, because I could see if you were to say, I'm going to read a chapter a day, then you're going to find a day where you've got schoolwork and you're just like, I just want to go to bed. And you're like, no, you got to read that chapter. And you're laying in bed and you're like, I'm reading Psalm 20 and it's just, just dozing. No, I'm going to read it. And it's like, you're not really getting anything out of it. You're just, all right, I read it and you close it and you, you know, you put it away. So I think it's really good that you're making an effort to just do a consistent thing. And then that will, the more you do it, will turn into you, you'll continue to do it and build a desire for it. And then you won't have to, all right, well, I'm going to do this. You'll just do it and you won't, it'll be in your lower conscience program. You won't have to think about it. I think um, something that's really important is that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I have been like, like uh, Anna Ruth on Sunday um, had mentioned that um, because we were talking about something and that, it's not a marathon it's or it's not a sprint it's a marathon that means and so when i was starting to write all these things down that i wanted to do and you guys stopped me and you were like let's start with these and even in the past two days i've been like well i can do this and i can do this and i'm like no that's not what i'm starting with now for the next 75 days this is what i'm doing don't try to overload yourself don't try to get all the way to where you're everything you want to get done because it's not going to happen start with this once this is done once you've gotten this down then you can add stuff but don't try to sprint to all these things that you want to do i want to drink i want to drink three 40 ounce things of water i want to do all these like i want to do uh um more working out i want to yeah so it um it's even in two days of doing this, it's that it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I don't need to be and do everything that I want to get done. Like finding all like the things wrong in the subconscious, just there's something to work on, work on what you need to work on now. And then you will be led to something else in the future. And cause I haven't even asked you about this. So how did this, the challenge come about? Did you, and you, I'm thinking you touched on this, you didn't get into detail, but did you have like a time with y'all, like you had a, you were at a, like, for example, a meditation time and that you just had these, those things that you wrote down that came to mind that you're like, you know what, I really want to change this for like this reason. Or was it like, I've just always wanted to do these things and I never did. Like, I'm just curious, like how this did you, or did you just like the idea of this 75 I just really like this and I want to do it. Just curious, like how this came about. I have been thinking about it for a while, a couple of months or even like a year or so now. And this trend has been out for a long time. And I like the concept of like setting a goal for a very specific goal for a certain amount of time and then get to that goal and move on. I think a lot of people struggle with the the 75 hard the actual challenge itself 
because it's not a sustainable challenge throughout like like after the 75 days it's not a sustainable thing so what's the point in doing all these things if it's not going to be sustainable for you the point is to get to a sustainable state um and so i have just been thinking about this for a while and coming and the trend came like through a couple weeks ago and i had just been thinking about it and then in church we had been talking about um mindsets and setting desires and obligation and all those kinds of things so it started to come to light a little bit more and that's kind of where it um started well interesting with your wording that it came to light because that's if there's if there's no break how can the light come in that because if you're covered in something like it's like a cave until you have the door open until the light comes on then it just made me think of when the light meets the dark that when you're broken within like you break internally because of how it affects god then god will come to you and then oh i didn't realize i was doing these things because if you don't if you don't break and realize that you've sinned against god and you realize that it's not right to do and you want to do what is right then you won't repent and what's interesting is if you don't break to abba to repent and walk in repentance because the word says godly sorrow so you you break you realize what you've done towards god it's the godly sorrow that leads to you breaking oh my gosh i didn't realize that i've sinned against god and i've wronged god well that's not right to do i'm not doing that anymore i want to do what is right well that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation so it's that lifestyle and you had mentioned when you turn completely to god that you start building the desire for the things of god because no i don't want those things i want to do what is right and then you start even though in your heart you still have sin but in your mind no i'm going to desire the things of god and it makes sense that that would be pleasing to abba and because you are desiring it and you're you're starting the process of the want and that because all you can do is in your conscious mind that you can't get rid of sin that i'm going to desire this that that's where you have forgiveness of sins because i see that you're dedicated to turning away from the old life and then it makes sense that he would bring you to messiah well how can you break to messiah if you realize that i've been disobedient to god i'm not going to be disobedient anymore then you can break and you can messiah will show you what obedience to god is it's a willful submissive life of you wanting to be obedient no matter what and then to break to mother to oh my gosh i didn't realize that I haven't been walking in obedience. Well, I'm willing to give everything. Okay. Well then, all right, well now you've broken towards that. So now you're going to start walking the life of trust that you've got circumcision of the heart. Now, well, now you've got a trust that will help you to see the things where you still need to have that, that break. And so the, the process continues, but I was just how the word of God just lines up so beautifully that you're not going to, turn to someone that you don't break to like if you don't break to abba you're not going to repent because why would you repent unless you realize that you've wronged him and you want to get away from the life of sin well then 
you turn to God and start walking that journey. But it's the way that God laid this out is that you have to, ultimately you have to do what the word says. You have to, and when I say have to, that you have to make a decision that you're going to do it, but ultimately that will transform to willful that you go through the process of the gospel so that you can transform from the obligation side to the submissive side. And I don't know if you, have you heard, I'm thinking we may have talked about this in the gathering. Do you know what would happen in the old Testament? If a, a Hebrew servant was in a household and there was, if I remember right, the time was, it was, I think it was either months or years. I obviously can't remember that if a Hebrew servant stayed with the master and it would think it was in the seventh year that they would release the, the slave. And it says, if that servant wanted to stay with the master and they didn't want to leave, that it says that they would take an awl, which an awl is like a, like a carving tool. Like you would put it on leather to where it has a kind of looks like an ice pick. And it would make a, a hole to where it wouldn't really destroy the fabric. It would make it to where it make a very precise hole. And it says that they would take the slave and put their ear to the door and they would pierce the ear with an awl. And by doing that, it says that you're a member of like that you're a servant for life. And I was sitting there thinking about this. You start an obligation because you're a slave to God. You're a slave to righteousness. But ultimately you transform to no, I, yeah, I know you're going to be setting me free, but I want to stay in the house. I, I want to stay with you. Then they'll put your ear to the door and pierce it with an awl as a physical sign. And I had this thought, I was like, wow, what a beautiful picture of circumcision of the heart that it's against the door, which the door is Yeshua, that we're going to pierce your ear. Like it'd be like if, like if you were getting your ear pierced, but that was a sign of that, but that had to be done for you to be as a mark that you're a servant for life. And what a beautiful picture that you start out and, well, yeah, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I want to do what's right because your word says it. Well, that's good. But what I want you to do is I want you to own this now because you're a servant in my house that you're here because you want to be here and you want to do what's right. So you own it now you have an ownership in it. And we're going to mark this with an all so that we know that you're with us for life. And I was just like, wow, in the Old Testament, what a picture of a transformation from a slave to a son or a daughter, because it says that you're either going to be a slave to righteousness or you're going to be a slave to sin. Well, if you're a slave to sin, you're obligated to it. And if you're a slave to righteousness, you're obligated. But it transforms to the son's life. Yeshua is a life of submission. Well, that's the transformation of the old to the new covenant, that in the new covenant, that now you're a son or a daughter of God and your ear has been pierced with an awl and now you're a servant for life. And if you walk away from it, then it's not going to go well for you. So with this process that it, it must start in obligation because you don't have the desire of God at first. You, you have the desire to escape punishment, but that transforms in your journey of faith and you can even speak to this, that how can you have a desire for something that you don't understand or have knowledge of? You can't, you, 
you can only hear about it, listen to it. Like with you being in the gathering, you've got to build a desire for it that we can't just put it on you and say, all right, Tori, you got to desire God now. Well, no, and that's obligation because our desire is sin before faith. It's to do what we want to do. So therefore you've got to change your desires and God knows that. And that's why they'll be merciful to where we know that you don't desire this yet, but you're in the process of it. So we'll, we'll give you forgiveness of sins, but then it's for you to transform to where you have the heart of the son, which is, I want this no matter what. And that's ultimately what's, what's pleasing to God. Cause you know, this as, uh, as a teacher, do you enjoy when the students say, Hey, Miss Bishop, good to see you. Here's a gift. Or is it, man, you're doing a really good job. I'm really glad you're my teacher. I just want to say thank you. And they don't put it to a holiday or anything. And they just say, man, I, I really like you as my teacher. What, what would you rather have? Would you rather have that? Well, Hey, Miss Bishop, here's an apple or, man, you're a great teacher. I really enjoy what you're, you're teaching me. I would definitely, the second one, um, the kids love to give me pictures all the time and, um, like they, they like draw drawings and they, um, and it like their artwork, they like to come in and just give it to me. And I like, no, your parents really want to see this, take this home. Um, and they'll write me notes and stuff, which is really, it's, it's it's nice to um have them just come in and do that just because actually this came to mind to ask you what is as you being a teacher what does that how has faith helped you with being a teacher and vice versa um it it's definitely being in a classroom with um 13 eight-year-olds can prove to be challenging at some points um (laughs) But um, with faith and the things that we talk about, it's easier for me, and I won't say I'm perfect and far from and still working on it, it's easier for me to step back and look at it from an overview and say to myself that this is not how, this is not appropriate, this is not how I should be acting, Um, I am an influence at this point, and that is important for me to um, be an influence and me losing my temper or me getting frustrated, um, for things is is not appropriate and being able to step outside kind of like out out of body experience, like looking on the overview and being like, "Mm, no. And a lot of times, um, faith has come in really handy for those types of situations, especially in stress and frustration. Um, and when I get into situations where I'm not as confident, I can feel myself start to pull and then I'm reminded of um, things that we talk about in church. And I usually get to practice exactly what we talk about in church the day after or um, that week or whatever. It's usually pretty instantaneous. And then the um, other way around, just having the perspective of a teacher um, is helpful and having that influence on people is helpful because it's brought so many insightful things to, I think, to the gathering. And um, and it's been really cool because um, Yusha was a teacher and, like, not that I um, would ever be, like, the most amazing teacher as Yusha, but um, striving to be that, like, 
the best teacher for the kids in my classroom. Well, not only is it possible, you can, because the fullness of faith in God, which is at the place of circumcision of the heart, you have what's referred to as the fullness of deity in bodily form. You actually, the body that you carry around at that point, you are, the Messiah is your body, spiritually, that you walk in Him. So when you're speaking truth and you're living truth, then you actually are you have the opportunity to be influential and be influential from a right perspective, not that you force it on anybody, but by when you make right, fair and just decisions and you live that, that even if people don't verbally say anything, that it does speak volumes because we, the, the way we live our life, the words that we speak by our actions are so much louder and greater than anything we could say out of our mouth. And that's even evident in the news and on the internet on people will just talk, talk, talk with their mouth, but with their actions, it builds a different picture. And Messiah even said, you mentioned Yeshua that he even spoke to one of the churches and it speaks to today that you think that you're fine and you don't need anything that you're, you're, you're healthy. Everything's blessed. Everything's great. And he made a statement to, and it was the the letter to Laodicea. And he said, but you don't realize you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. That's the thing that people don't, you don't realize it because the lower conscience has so much garbage in it that you think in your conscious mind, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm, I'm doing good, but you don't realize that within the heart there, it's a wretchedness. It's a pitiful, it's, it's blind, it's naked before God. And that's why by faith, you can get away from that. But people don't, people don't realize what they're doing. I mean, they don't, they're not consciously thinking, man, I'm doing this or I'm not doing that. Or because even when, when Messiah was being crucified, father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing that. And it's not like that they're doing things and they have no idea that they're living or, but they don't realize why they're doing this. And like with your, I was just saying about you as a teacher that you tell me as a teacher, that you don't, if, unless you're just blind and you're not looking for it, that you're teaching yourself daily moment by moment that, wow, I didn't realize that this is a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of people looking at me. There's a lot of people expecting things out of me. And wow, I didn't even realize until you, because I've been a teacher like you before and, and not too many years ago, but I remember when I went in and, you know, I was thinking, I got this, this isn't, but then you don't realize how many people are looking at you in the example and the things that you say, the things that you do. And that that's the best faith that you can do is by being an example and you, you setting the tone that you doing what is right. And, and that's why the word says that be careful if you're going to be a teacher, because it's going to be a stricter judgment. If you're claiming that you're speaking the truth and you better be making sure that you're, living the life that you should be living. But yeah, with this aspect that Yah has given about the, the brokenness and being able to be fixed that what Yah is saying in this is that you've got to make your faith your own, that it's not your responsibility to break somebody. It's not your responsibility to fix somebody else. The responsibility that we have is to speak the truth and to give people the best opportunity to apply the truth and so that they can be broken and be healed by God. Because if somebody isn't healed, then it's not God's fault. 
it, it's that person's fault because it ultimately comes down to your decision, what you want to do, what your desire is that ultimately that what you do in consistency without fail, it's a desire because a desire is formed just like a, an adult starts out as a, as conceived as a, you know, grows into an infant and then a, a child, an adolescent teenager, and then into an adult. And that's why I think Tori, you had mentioned this with the Israelites or might've been Anna Ruth that why that God would wipe out the men, women, and children was because in their fairness and justice, they know that the children will do what the adults do. And people say, well, no, they wouldn't. Well, that's a lie. If you don't, if you think that they won't, because you watch your own self, that you're a product of your parents and people are products of their parents. And unless you make a change, unless you repent and you find faith, like if somebody doesn't have faith in God and you find it, then you will do that. You will be influenced by it. And that's why Yah in their sovereignty, they know that the children will end up like the parents unless there's a change. And, but see, that's the thing. They're God, they're perfect. So who are we to question them and say that they shouldn't have wiped out a generation? No, they know what they're doing. They know they see what we don't see, but it makes sense just from a logical perspective that the way that you're programmed is the way that you'll go. So if that programming stays the same for generations, that the children will follow that same pattern. And that's why it's so important to make sure that you train a child in the way they should go, which is the truth of God, so that they don't depart and go a different path in, in the situation. But Tori, we've actually had a really good conversation. I am. Um, I'm just saying this is a good stopping point. If there's anything further you'd like to, to add to anything or. No, I'm good. Just appreciate everybody listening in. Uh, let me see who we got. Got four people listening tonight at the moment. We really appreciate that. And not only just listening in, but also take the information that you're getting from us. And really it's from God and evaluate it on your own. Make sure it lines up with the word and talk to Yah about it because don't listen to this and do what we're saying to do because we're not just sitting here telling people what to do. We're giving truth information, but really evaluate it and really decide that you're going to make it your own and really seek after it because it's not going to benefit anybody at all. If you do this because we're saying it because it's going to be obligation for you. Now you can take it and say, you know what, I'm going to evaluate that and I'm going to make a decision to seek with all my heart or something like that. But ultimately dig into it and question it because let Yah be true and every man, woman, a liar. Don't, don't depend on what we're saying. You depend on what the word of God says and verify it with them because they're the truth. They're the absolute authority. We are just messengers. We're just servants of God and we can have mistakes be made. We can misspeak on something. So don't, depend on us, depend on God. So, and I'll just, as we go through the podcast here on Tuesdays, I'm going to be with different uh, members of our gathering at different times. So just looking forward to how that's going to go. And Tori, you'll be back with me at some other point. And if you have something in the future that something comes to mind, you want to talk about, we can, you know, come on and because especially with your uh, occupation with being a teacher, a school teacher, there are so many lessons that you can learn. You can base what you're doing by faith, learn lessons in actually the teaching and see how that ties back to faith. So teaching is a huge 
just a, a great uh, medium for for that. And I'll hope to check back in with you guys at the end of my 75 days to describe how the journey was and if we've reached the point past obligation and the desires there. Oh, yeah. Well, that'll be great. And just a reminder, too, if anybody would like to um, find us on social media, we do have a Facebook page. It's called Hidden Treasures Revealed. And we also have an email, which is Hidden Treasures Revealed at AOL, the old classic AOL, <coughs> Hidden Treasures with an S Revealed at AOL.com. So if you have any questions or any comments, uh, we really like to get those. It'll just help us to keep walking in the truth of God and, and doing those things. So for me and Tori, we will sign off for now, but just leave you with this, that don't attempt to fix people around you. If you want somebody to change, then you live the faith the very best you can by the hand of Yah, because whomever you want to change, the change that they need to see is your lifestyle change, you living faith. And then they've got to come to a point where they break to it and make their own decision. You know, it's not for us to make anybody else make a decision. And that's why the word says that you don't know as a believing wife, believing husband, that you can influence your unbelieving husband or unbelieving wife by your good conduct, because that's the best opportunity for them to see the life of faith. But it's still for that person ultimately to break. And you can ask God to break them. And you can actually ask God to break you as well, but just be prepared that when Yah does that, be looking for the areas of breaking, be looking for the areas where Yah is showing you where you need to break, or ultimately you have to make the decision that you are going to comply with that. So anyway, Tori, good being with you and um, hope you feel better there. You got your cough drops and um, you got just a little bit, little bit to go before break. So you got, let's see, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so you can make it. Three days. So three days, and then you still got 72 more to go, or wait a minute, 73? 70. 70, okay. But we appreciate everybody listening in, and um, we will see you, Lord willing, the next time. And uh, everybody have a good evening. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.